This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the head of the Florida Healthcare Association is trying to figure out how to get more of their people to be vaccinated. Right now, 70 to 80 percent of residents are taking the vaccine. About 40 percent of the staff are taking the vaccine. More vaccines are coming to Florida, so Governor Ron DeSantis says the state has launched a new effort to provide shots to homebound seniors. They're starting with people who survived the death camps in World War II. We wanted to uh, figure out a way where we could be impactful. So the first 750 doses uh, we're bringing to uh, homebound seniors who are Holocaust survivors. The governor made that announcement at a synagogue in Aventura, where faith leaders came together to encourage their flocks to have faith in vaccines. It's really uh, so important that we work across faiths to provide the comfort and care uh, that our community needs during these very, very difficult times. Governor DeSantis is also making plans for additional vaccines that are being provided to Florida by the Biden administration. The federal pharmacy program will take doses not involving the state allocation and send them directly to specified pharmacies. And so in Florida, uh, we're looking at Walmart, we're looking at Winn-Dixie, and we're looking at uh, Publix as as three that, that could be able to handle that. The health department reported 228 new fatalities from COVID-19 Thursday. Our death toll has reached 27,698. At the current rate, we'll pass the 28,000 mark sometime this weekend. The pandemic has exposed all the flaws in America's healthcare system, and policymakers are talking about creation of a single-payer system. So State Senator Manny Diaz of Hialeah is proposing a constitutional amendment to make that just about impossible in Florida. It would require two-thirds of the legislature a supermajority to go ahead and enact a, a, payer, a single-payer system that would dramatically change the way that we do insurance in the state. Republican leaders are also taking aim at the state retirement fund. Senator Ray Rodriguez wants all new hires to be forced into 401ks instead of receiving a pension. We're putting this bill forward today because it's a recognition that our pension plan is in trouble and that we need to do something. While Republicans fixate on pensions, Democrats are focused on the stand your ground law. Senator Chevron Jones has filed a bill to repeal it. We know for a fact stand your ground, it promotes vigilantism and allows people to shoot first and ask questions later. It puts black people and other people of color at the greater risk of gun violence. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man disbarred for filming porn videos in county jails. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, February 5th. It was on this date in 2016 that computer hackers tried to steal a billion dollars from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York using Bangladesh computer codes. They actually managed to get about 81 million bucks before a typo tipped off authorities to the hack. This is National Bubblegum Day, National Chocolate Fondue Day, and National Shower with a Friend Day. We've all seen the pictures of people lining up to try to get vaccinated and heard the horror stories about people lost in the maze as they try to navigate the sign-up process. But there are thousands of Floridians who are refusing vaccines, including frontline healthcare workers at nursing homes. Emmett Reed is executive director of the Florida Healthcare Association, which represents those homes, and he says more than half the staffers at their facilities have refused the shots. FHCA and our members are working to, to promote a high vaccination rate. This is really important. Right now, 70 to 80 percent of residents are taking the vaccine. About 40 percent of the staff are taking the vaccine. Um, why is that, you ask? There is some mistrust among staff. 
Uh, there are some cultural concerns among staff, especially in South Florida, uh, and some trust issues. Um, what's, what we're finding, though, is that 40% number is continuing to increase because after they see their peers get the first dose and come back for the second, and nothing's happened to the peer after the first dose, they're thinking, well, maybe it is okay, and they're starting to, to come around to it. But we're continuing to do um, education uh, about the vaccine to let them know it's safe, and it is the way back to normalcy. So we've got to have a long-term vaccine strategy from 2021 on. We've got to figure out how is this going to work in the future, because COVID's not going away. We're just going to have to manage it through this vaccine. But some good news on the vaccine front. The feds have increased shipments to the states, enough doses so that Governor Ron DeSantis ordered some of it to be set aside for seniors who have trouble getting out of the house. And the governor decided that Holocaust survivors in South Florida will be the first of the homebound seniors to be vaccinated. What we're doing is dedicating 1,500 doses a week to be able to bring COVID-19 vaccines uh, to seniors who may be homebound or may have difficulty traveling. We try to get the vaccines out to folks in a convenient way, but not everyone can go to a drive through site. Not everyone can go to the hospital. Some have family who can help them. Not everyone has that all the time. And so we thought it was important to fill a niche. Now, some hospitals have been doing this um, and some of the county health departments have been. This is another effort uh, in that direction to be able to make sure that folks aren't left behind. And so what we're doing, and I think it's fitting to say that, uh, to say this here at the synagogue, is we wanted to uh, figure out a way where we could be impactful. So the first 750 doses uh, we're bringing to uh, homebound seniors who are Holocaust survivors. And so I was with a Holocaust survivor in Aventura. Uh, Judy Roden, and um, you know she, she was she was orphaned. She she was in Auschwitz. She escaped, and, and thankfully um, has been able to live a, a long and fruitful life. But everyone else in her family was taken, killed in the Holocaust. And so these are folks that you know, when we when we did seniors first, we did it because if you look at the effects of this virus, the mortality is concentrated in people who are 65 and up. And if we can vaccinate vaccinate all the seniors who want it. That's the best tool we have to reduce mortality and to save lives. Uh, but we also uh, you know, thought that uh, you know, we owe our seniors. Uh, we owe people like Judy and these other Holocaust survivors for serving as inspirations to so many people in my generation and hopefully in my kids' generation. Uh, we're thankful uh, for what they mean to this country and what they have done and how they remind us uh, to to never forget. The governor made that announcement at a synagogue in Aventura, where rabbis, ministers, pastors, and imams joined an interfaith vaccination campaign. Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava says they're united in the fight against COVID. Truly, we are all in this together, and we will get through this pandemic. I think it's, it's really uh, so important that we work across faiths to provide the comfort and care uh, that our community needs during these very, very difficult times. We stand ready here in Miami-Dade County to vaccinate all of our seniors, all of our people with special health needs, all of our essential workers, and everybody. We have the capacity, we have the distribution mechanism, we just need the vaccine. And we're very grateful for efforts to bring us more vaccine uh, and, and happy to stand here today for this important uh, multi-faith effort. 
Remember when the Gov dismissed the new administration's plan to ramp up vaccinations? Well, DeSantis has apparently had a change of heart. He actually sounds enthused about a new federal program that will provide vaccines through pharmacies at Walmart, Winn-Dixie, and Publix. DeSantis says this is above and beyond what the state is already receiving. The federal pharmacy program will take doses not involving the state allocation and send them directly to specified pharmacies. And so in Florida, uh, we're looking at Walmart, we're looking at Winn-Dixie, and we're looking at uh, P Publix as, as three that, that could be able to handle that. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some, um, some announcements on that uh, at the beginning of the week, but that will be able to expand the footprint further, which would be very, very good for folks. We did... Uh, expand starting today the public's footprint to include Pinellas and Pasco counties over in the Tampa Bay area. Um, and so when you're going to get your Super Bowl snacks to watch Tom Brady bring home his seventh Super Bowl, you can go ahead and potentially get your COVID vaccine. We're looking forward to that. So we now have um, uh, well over 300 public pharmacies in 23 counties, uh, and we're looking to expand that uh, if we can. If the doses are there, we want to be able to expand it. Obviously, if you have Walmart and Winn-Dixie in the mix, that's really good as well. So we're working with them to be able to make that happen. But this is, uh, this is something that's really important. So modest increase in doses, we think, next week, which would be good. Um, we think federal pharmacy program very, very soon, which would be good. Those are tens of thousands of extra doses to each of those, uh, each of those places on a weekly basis, we think, which is really good. More than 1,800,000 Floridians have now been vaccinated. Almost half a million of them have received their second shot. But the death toll continues to rise. The health department reported 228 additional fatalities Thursday, all of them Florida residents. Our state's death toll is 27,698. One result of the pandemic is that people are starting to realize we have the most expensive health care system in the world, and it really doesn't work that well. There's been a lot of talk in recent years about going to a single-payer system run by the government, like Medicaid for All instead of private insurance. And State Senator Manny Diaz of Hialeah wants to make sure that does not happen here. He's proposing a constitutional amendment that would make it pretty much impossible in Florida. This is simply uh, indicating that in Florida, if we want to have this kind of this, this would be a single payer health system would be a dramatic change. And it's been talked about on the national scene over the last couple of years. Um, we have well, I have received uh, a lot of, uh, of notes from constituents in wanting to keep their health care system as it is and not have it be one government system, which uh, would eliminate a lot of their options for uh, private pay insurance or insurance that they're receiving from their um, employer. And what the bill simply does, <clears throat> if the people of the state decide that this is what they would like, the direction they would like to go, uh, simply that it would require two thirds of the legislature, a supermajority to go ahead and enact a, a, payer, a pay single payer system that would dramatically change the way that we do insurance in the state. His joint resolution was approved by the Senate Health Policy Committee, but it has a long way to go in the legislative process, and if it passes, the amendment would still have to be approved by 60% of the voters before it's added to the state constitution. The annual fight over Florida's pension system is underway. Florida's retirement fund is one of the largest in the country and covers state and local employees, including teachers, firefighters, cops. But Senator Ray Rodriguez of Estero says the retirement fund is costing too much. He wants new hires to be forced into a 401k investment account instead of having a guaranteed pension. And I'd say it's our duty to make sure that Florida's employees have retirement plans that they can count on. We've got to make sure that those whom we have made promises to are promises that the state can keep 
and that the employees can count on that retirement, which they've worked so hard for. And that means we have to make difficult decisions in order to maintain long-term solvency. As policymakers, we have to recognize that the rising cost of pension obligations are crowding out funding for other priorities. We've seen examples in other states of how quickly conditions can change and governments can experience significant financial crisis under the weight of future retirement obligations. I say we recognize that we're in a hole that continues to get deeper and that we do our part to stop digging that hole any deeper and begin fixing it. What I brought forth is a bill that will close the Florida Retirement System Pension Plan to new enrollment effective July 1, 2022. New members of the FRS, so if you're currently in the FRS, this will not affect you. You will remain in the defined benefit program. But if you are a new enrollee, a new hire, after July 1, 2022, you will be placed in the investment plan. The bill will not impact the rights of any current FRS enrollee to select participation in the pension plan or the investment plan. Changes included in the bill only pertain to the FRS members who enroll after July 1, 2022. And what I would say is this, we're putting this bill forward today because it's a recognition that our pension plan uh, is in trouble and that we need to do something. We have contracted with the state's actuarial firm and asked them to bring back studies on different models. When we get those studies back from the actuarial firm, the data that they bring us will guide the amendments that will be made to this bill as it moves through the process. But this bill is our starting point, and it's our starting point because we have to recognize that there's a step that needs to be taken. And year after year, the situation has continued to get worse. And I don't believe the legislature can just keep putting it off because it's difficult. At some point, we have to address it. The people who rely on those pensions are worried about this change. David Jacobson says if new hires can't sign up for the pension, the retirement fund will die a slow and expensive death. Senate Bill 84 will cripple the Florida retirement system, needlessly driving up the cost of Florida retirement plans and undermining reliable economic generators for local economies. The Florida retirement system is sound and one of the best-run funds in the country, and employees shouldn't be forced into a risky private market, often with no investment experience of their own. Dr. Rich Templin with the Florida AFL-CIO wonders why lawmakers are pressing ahead with the bill before they get the results of an economic analysis that's due next month. And he says the biggest threat to the retirement fund is actually the legislature, which has been trying to unravel the system for years. It's really hard to discuss this legislation without the study. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of us down here at the Tucker Center wondering why we're here right now uh, when we don't have the data. So we are wondering what's the rush. But we've done this before. So we can use Mr. Peabody's Wayback Machine and go back to July 8, 2010, when Milliman investigated this very question. And what they found was it would increase employer costs by 5.5% each year for a minimum of eight years. In the aggregate, that's about $150 million. So in year one, it would cost the taxpayers $150 million. In year two, it would cost the taxpayers $300 million. In year three, it would cost the taxpayers $450 million, and that would continue for a minimum of eight years. 
the report stated, and I quote, if future members cannot join the defined benefit plan, the result is a declining payroll base on which contributions to fund the DB plan are traditionally made. This would produce increasing contribution rates, meaning what you're doing today is going to cost taxpayers more. And this isn't only about the fund. When we're talking about FRS in Florida, we're talking about a major pillar of our economy. People don't retire from Florida and move to Pennsylvania. They stay here. Every $1 paid out in benefits generates a total of $6.67 in economic impact. That's a total of $18.2 billion in economic impact each year, funding 123,246 jobs, also generating $2.7 billion in total tax revenue. Now, right now, over 70% of the fund comes from investments. The taxpayers only pay 25% of that total cost, of that, of that total fund. Look at the return on the investment that taxpayers are getting. The only, the, the biggest jeopardy to this fund and the long-term solvency of the fund is what the legislature does. Despite those complaints, the bill to close the retirement fund to new hires sailed through the Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee. Next up on Sunrise, Democrats are gunning for Stand Your Ground. And happy birthday to Trayvon Martin, who would have turned 26 today if he had not been gunned down by a man named George Zimmerman in the central Florida town of Sanford. Zimmerman claimed he shot the unarmed teenager in self-defense, relying on the Stand Your Ground law that says you can use deadly force to defend yourself if you believe your life is at risk. State Senator Chevron Jones says Stand Your Ground has made Florida more dangerous, especially for people of color. And he's just filed a bill to replace it with what he calls the Self-Defense Restoration Act. It's not safe for anyone, not in the state of Florida or for any, any, or anywhere around the state uh, that has laws such as Stand Your Ground. Uh, we're introducing the Self-Defense Restoration Act uh, because I believe that there's no place in Florida for this so-called, quote-unquote, stand your ground. Uh, we know for a fact, stand your ground, it promotes uh, vigilantism and allows people to shoot first and ask questions later. But more importantly, it puts black people and other people of color at the greater risk of gun violence. Um, traditional self-defense laws in Florida, which we already have, is already allowed has already allowed people to protect themselves in dangerous situations. But since the passage of Stand Your Ground, Florida's self-defense law has allowed people to shoot and kill someone even when there's a clear and safe way to walk away from that particular situation. These so-called Stand Your Ground policies also have been proven to bring more violence into suburban communities that were previously, previously considered safe. In fact, in Florida, the standing ground law had the most negative impact on neighborhoods that initially had the lowest homicide rates before the law was even enacted. Two years ago, myself and Senator Brangham, we came together and put forth legislation to repeal stand your ground. And so it was an uphill battle. It started the conversation. And many people asked, why do we continue to file it if you know we have an uphill battle? And my response is, why not? Why not continue to file to make sure that individuals like Trayvon Martin and other individuals who have uh, have found themselves on the other end of the gun and who cannot defend themselves, then why not fight to let them know that we're still fighting for them today? 
Cheryl Anderson is a member of a gun safety group called Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense. She's also a survivor of gun violence who says Stand Your Ground needs to go because it has led to more violence. This law is not about standing your ground. It is permission to maim or kill. Have you ever heard the saying that fear rules reason? It's simple. When you are in a state of fear, your ability to reason is diminished. And stand your ground feeds into that fear and that inability to reason. It teaches us that when you are afraid, shoot. It changes our culture from one that respects life to one that gives permission to take a life. At the very moment, we are least able to think clearly. And even if we could just walk away. So the introduction of the Self-Defense Restoration Act is being done because there's no place in Florida for so-called stand your ground. It promotes armed vigilantism, allows people to shoot first and ask questions later, and puts black people and other people of color at greater risk of gun violence. How can we stop gun violence with a law that promotes a dangerous culture where people shoot first and ask questions later? I thought that went out when we civilized the so-called wild, wild west. And then stand your ground just increases violence in Florida, period. Backers of the bill admit it's not going to pass in the gun-friendly Florida legislature, but that won't stop them from trying. Your calendar of events is mercifully short today. The Florida Board of Podiatric Medicine meets online at 9. The Florida Historical Commission meets online at 9.30. And the Florida Commission on Ethics meets at 11. Finally today, a former Florida man convicted of using female clients in two county jails to make pornographic films has been disbarred by the Florida Supreme Court. The Florida Bar says 58-year-old Andrew Spark, formerly of Pompano Beach, used his law license to get into private rooms provided for attorneys in the jails to solicit prostitution and made video recordings of the encounters with the goal of creating his very own porno film. He pleaded guilty to introducing contraband into the Pinellas and Hillsborough County jails and for soliciting for prostitution in the Pinellas County Jail. Spark was sentenced to probation, now lives in Flushing, New York, where he's still allowed to practice law. That's it for Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. <laughs>